So glad tonight to have Brother and Sister Mullins here as well, and all the way from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, they traveled a long way to be here. I said this morning, I, I know they didn't come to see me, uh, they came to see grandkids, that, that much I know and understand full well, praise God. I don't know what that's all about, but I'm glad that they're here, and I, I found out he was coming into town. And and uh, I talked to him on the phone and said, look, you're going to be here on Sunday night. I, I want you to preach to these people. Amen. I want you to preach to me. And that's the way I feel tonight. Amen. Glad to have Brother and Sister Mullins. We've known them for many, many years. And uh, we are glad that they're here. Why don't you stand tonight in honor of the man of God. We got festivities going on, got things after service, but all of that we'll talk about after a while. We got more important business to tend to right now. There's nothing more important than the Word of God. Nothing more important than the Word of God. And I want the preacher to preach to me tonight. I want the preacher to preach to me. Brother Mullins, we love you. Come take your liberty tonight. Thank you, sir. Everybody happy? So good to be in the house of God again tonight, and uh, whatever whatever reason you came here for, I assure you that um, it had nothing to do with that. You're here because God ordained that you're here. Now, He didn't force you to come, but He just made opportunity for you to come. And, um, you know, we've, we've sung, and man, you've heard enough preaching to save the world. I don't really have to preach. But uh, I want to I say this to the visitor. If you've come uh, tonight to this house, and you're looking for hope, you've come to the right place. If you've come looking for forgiveness, you've come to the right place. If you've come looking for mercy, you've come to the right place. Because this is a place of strength. It's a place of washing. It's a place of grace. And this part I like best of all, Brother Riggin, it's a place of renewal. It's not a place of renovation. It's not a place of remodel. It's a place of restoration. Oh, my God, I... I could fetch up right here and preach, but but there's a big difference between a remodel and a restoration. What God wants to do is put you back in your original condition. This is a place of second chance. This is a place of second chance. You ever wake in the morning, visitor, and, and wish you could do things over? This is a place of do-overs. And so I want you to know tonight you're in the right place. Now, I'm going to read a scripture, and um, I'm going to let you be seated. I told Sister Kathy I'm going to take it easy on her because it's her first night running that deal back here. And, and I don't have to read half the Bible for a text, but I'm going to read you one verse of scripture and let you be seated, okay? Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. 
And I'm going to read you one verse of Scripture, verse 23. And it simply says this, And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. Amen. If you'll pray with me for just a moment, I'll let you be seated. Would you pray? God, we love you tonight. We thank you so much. God, for your spirit, for your word that quickens and makes alive. I ask God for the rich anointing of your spirit to be upon the rest of this service. Let my tongue be as the pen of a ready writer. God, let me say something that will help somebody in this service come to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. You, you may be seated. You, you may be seated tonight. I, I just want to want to say it's a privilege to be here with Brother and Sister Regan in this church. I love Brother and Sister Regan. He's, a, he's one of the kindest people that I've ever met. And um, if you don't think so, just get him upset. You know, I, I just, my hat's off to this man. I, I, I like the way he does things. You know, if I, he forgot more about being organized than I'll probably ever know. And I live in a state of disarray. disarray. But uh, I, I, like, I like Brother Regan's spirit. I just do. And, of course, his blessed wife, she don't say much. She just, she just who she is, and she just, she's just, Sister Regan, she's just sweet and kind. And, and oh, my, I, I enjoyed song service so much. There was none of that 7-Eleven music, you know, seven words, sing it 11 times. And, and, you know, the best part of that is, Jared, I don't want to embarrass you, but I like to hear miracles sing. I, I, I like to hear miracles preach. Well, you go and learn what that means. Woo, my, my, my. Now, my pastor, he, uh, he, he turned the church over to, to Pastor Douglas Walker here some time ago. And, and Brother Walker, he works with um, troubled horses, horses that are rejects, horses that others have given up on. And um, he, uh, he works with horses that others want to put down, and, and I guess they take them somewhere in the glue factory or whatever. But he gives these horses a second chance. As a matter of fact, his ranch down south in California was named Second Chance Ranch. And um, if you're here tonight and, and you need a fresh start, I just want to make it plain you're in the right place for God to give you a second chance. And, and I, I had a little picture in my head. I, just don't mind me, I'm getting old, but... Um, I had a little picture in my head, Brother Riggin, of, of this guy playing guitar. And, and I was preaching one night, and I walked up, and I cranked the keys on that thing and put it all out of tune. And what I was talking about was restoration. And, and the word restore, in its original context, meant to put a musical instrument back in tune as though it was never out of harmony. It also meant to mend a tear or a rend in a garment as though it had never been torn. That's what God does for people when he gives them a second chance. And so 
um, Jesus was a storyteller, and so I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? You ever hear the story about the goat that the guy had that he wanted to get rid of the goat, but he didn't want to kill it, and he couldn't give it away because it was mean and nasty and hateful. And I've seen goats like that. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law had one, had a horn stuck straight up like that, and the other laid back on his head. And if you pull the belly hair of that thing the wrong way, man, he'd get him up on his hind legs, and he would run at whoever you turned him loose at. Now, I didn't do that, but my nephew did. But this guy had a, had a goat that he wanted to get rid of, and he didn't know what to do with it. So he had, he had dug an old well by hand, and it was no longer used. So he said, oh, you know, I think I'll do I think I'll throw that goat down the well. So he pitched the goat down the well, and then he said, well, I'll just bury it down there. So, man, he got to pulling dirt over there with a the shovel and throwing it down, and he must have worked for a half an hour, and he looked down the well, and the goat was standing there looking up at him. He worked all afternoon throwing dirt down the hole, and the goat just standing there looking at him. Every time he looked down, the goat looked back up at him. So finally, he gets smart, and he took a shovel full of dirt over, and he poured it real slow, and that dirt would hit that goat's back, and the goat would just shake it off and step a little higher. Brother Riggin, when life gets hard, my brother, you want a word, I'll give you a word. You'll fix it on building the building. If you think life's hard now, you wait till you get in the middle of that thing. But when it gets hard, you just shake it off and step a little higher, Elder. Oh, my, my. All right, all right. I'll, I'll hurry, I'll hurry. I told Xander I wouldn't preach probably any longer than 20 minutes. So I'll hurry. Listen, our text tonight in Luke 15 is about a certain man that had two sons. And you know the story. One left home, took all of his, his inheritance, and went and wasted it, and um, decided to come back home. And so, so he comes back, and his father hugs him, kisses him, puts a new change of clothes on him, and so on. And then we read our text, and he said, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Okay, so... I have preached over the years about the father, and I preached about that prodigal son, and I preached about his elder brother, and I've preached about the pig pen, but I never preached about the fatted calf yet, so tonight's the night. And, and I don't know, the, the Bible sometimes leaves things out on purpose. We're not told anybody's name, and we're not even told if the mother of these two boys was still living or not. We don't know that. And so, usually, where the Bible's silent, I'm silent. So, I can't really say there was a mama. But I can say if there was. Okay. All I know for sure is that there was a calf that was fattened. We're not told who fed the calf. But if there was a mama in this story, probably would have been that mama. And so, for just my imagination and to humor me, just think for a minute. If it was that, if there was a mama, she, she no doubt, she no doubt had dealt with the caustic remarks of a bitter older brother. You know, kids can be so cruel, especially brother and sister to brother and sister. They can just be hateful and nasty. So how do you know that? Because I had six brothers and six sisters. And she no doubt endured the despair and the depression of her husband. So how do you know he was in despair? Because the story finds him, he's looking for that son. 
he sees him coming down the road over the hill or whatever he did. But no doubt she, she hunched her shoulders at unkind negative remarks of her neighbors. You know, people can be so cruel. But in her heart, if this was a mama in this story, if there was one in this story in her heart as a mama, she believed one day her son was coming home. And, and, and I, I got a picture in my head today that, you know, that, that mama, she would feed that calf on a regular basis. See, that little calf represents a lot of things in this story. But I can see her as she had a barn and she kept the calf there. Every time she'd go to the barn, she'd bring something a little special to that calf. Maybe it's an apple. Maybe it's a handful of parched corn. I don't know. But I can tell you this much. She probably talked to that calf. Ha! <laughs> and said, hey, one day my son's coming home and guess who's going to be the guest of honor? Not just my son, but you're going to be there too. We're going to roast you on a spit, fella. Because we're going to party hardy when, she, when he gets home. And so... She talked to the calf and she talked to herself. You say, why would you talk to yourself? The Bible said David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you've got to pick your own self up. There ain't nobody else. And so she probably went to the barn and she would have these conversations with her, herself, that little calf, and her God. I don't, I don't doubt that she kept one thing in view, that that, that that little calf represented a lot of things, but one thing it represented to her, her son was coming home. That's why on a cold, chilly, lonely morning, you could find her making her way to the barn to that little calf. Her son was coming home. You know, we're not to told how long that boy was gone. We're not told how many calves she fattened and either went to the slaughterhouse or she sold, but we do know that when he came back, there was a fatted calf. Tell you a little story. I, I I went to Salt Lake City to preach for a guy, and we, we got to church, and and the usher usher met the pastor at the door. And I'm kind of always nervous when that happens, but he met the usher. Uh, the usher met him at the door, and he said, "There's a guy that's is waiting to talk to you. He's in your office." So we went in the office, and and here's this old gray-headed man. And pastor got talking to him, and come to find out, this man had been backslidden for 47 years. And he'd come to church that night with his wife, who, who, who had never been in an apostolic church service before. And, and he sat there, and tears were running off his face as he told part of his story. And he said, I just want to come home. And, and now you've got to understand what that does to a preacher. He's crying, he's weeping. I mean, Brother Riggin, the Spirit of God was on that man. So I said, well, the pastor looked at me and said, you, you, you go ahead. You know. <laughs> so I said, if you've repented, you can have the Holy Ghost right now. So he said, that's all I've been doing for days. And I'm thinking to myself, go ahead, Jesus. You don't need me. You take care of this. But I said, if you'll put your hands up and begin to worship God, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And Brother Regan, we didn't even get a chance to even come close to laying hands on him. Holy Ghost come on that old man. He began to speak in tongues. And, and, and all of a sudden, he, he, he stopped. But, but what about my wife? Now, you know, sometimes you say things under the anointing. You scare yourself to death when you stop and think of what you said. I said to that man, I said, right now there's a prayer line going down the center aisle of that church. 
and, and your wife's going to get in it, and she's going to get the Holy Ghost before she gets to the front of the church. That either he, she does or, brother, I'm in a lot of trouble. We opened the door of that office, and there was a commotion at the back of the church, and it was his wife trying to get out of the pew to get in the prayer line. And two sisters finally figured out what was going on, and they got to praying with her, and she got the Holy Ghost before she ever left the pew. And that old man staggered up to his wife and got her by the arm, brother, and there they went down through that prayer line to the front of the church, arm and arm. Now you say, why would you tell that story? I just want you to know that I, I, I didn't, I don't even know what the man's name was anymore. I, I didn't see, I didn't see his, his wasted years. I didn't see, I didn't see the scars that sin had left on him. I didn't see the habits that bound him. I didn't see the chains that held him. All I saw was an old man that wanted to come home. I saw an old man that was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I saw somebody that just wanted to come home. God, God has a way of, of, of just taking care of situations like that so much better than we could. Now, you might be here tonight and say to yourself, you know, well, my kids, they're backslidden. My husband's backslidden. My wife's away from God. And all of these people, and you just feel like you just don't have enough faith. You can't believe it. You can't, you just can't believe that God would, would do something like that for you like he did for that old man. Can I encourage you tonight? You just got to keep trusting. You just got to keep believing. You just got to keep thanking God for the promise. What, what am I saying? You got to go to the barn and fatten the calf, if you please. You, you got to speak faith when you pray. I've heard so many people praying so, so negatively, so down, and they wonder why God don't answer their prayer. You got to pray with faith. You got to say, God, I know you can do it. I've watched you many times. You've done it for others. You've done it for me. You can do it, God. You've got to brag on God. Just keep trusting and believing. You can't look at the mess they're in. You've got to look past that. You've got to look past that and believe for them when they can't believe for themselves. Galatians chapter 4.19 said, My little children of whom I travail in birth till Christ be formed in you again. It hurts when people walk away into darkness. Breaks your heart. But you just wait. Are you listening to me right now? You just wait until you stand at an altar next to them and hear them speak in tongues after having God deliver them. It will be worth every hurt that you've gone through. that little woman, I got a feeling that she didn't wait till her son come home to rejoice. I got a feeling that, you know, she got in that barn, she did herself a little jig, brother God. You know, I mean, she just got all cleaned up with it. Unbelief comes by and says, God can't do it. Doubt comes by and says, God can't do it. Can I tell you what you need to do? Come here. Come here, doubt. You know what doubt says? Doubt says he can do it for others, but he can't do it for me. Come here, unbelief. Come here. 
Unbelief said he can't do it for anybody else, and he sure can't do it for me. You know what you've got to do? You've got to take unbelief and doubt to the barn and show them that little fatted calf and say, Hey, right. hey, right. Come on. God can do it. You see this little calf? That represents a promise God gave me. My son's coming home. Take a good look, doubt. Take a good look, unbelief. There's a God of second chance. My son's coming home. Oh, yeah. You might say I made mistakes as a parent. I failed as a parent. Most people do. That's not the end of the story. Oh, my, my, my. You've got to square your shoulders and speak faith. You know, I was attending a church some time ago when we left the States, and uh, they were on the edge of the hood in some little old ram, ramshackle building. Brother, you don't know much about cold weather. You hit where he pastored in the middle of wintertime, and it's 35 below zero in the church. Heat going crazy. His office, I guarantee you, seen your breath. You seen the frost on the nails. And brother, he'd get in there and he'd study and he'd have his parka up and his head covered. Man, he'd go away and I'd have to go in there and do that. Year after year. I don't know how long he was in that building, but somehow or other, they got a building fund started and, and they had a, a picture of a thermometer on there. And then they started marking off offerings and growing and and you know went from 5,000 to 20,000 and just kept growing and so when it came time for them to buy another building they started looking and and oh they found buildings brother and it just wasn't right and he got so discouraged and I said come on brother come on you know I'd, I'd known him six months after he got the Holy Ghost so I told him by his first name I said come on brother Hey, 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 God's in this. God's in this. You're going to wait on God. Don't get discouraged. God's fixing to help you out of here. He's going to get you off of this street. I mean, you, 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 this is beautiful here, brother. This is beautiful. You, you think about that place? You had to get by the hooker sitting on the front step turning tricks. You had to get by the drug addict selling drugs on the front step to go have church. And I, I tried, I was encouraging this guy and, and so we, th we finally found a building, and he got me to go look at it with him and the church, and, and they, oh, brother, it was out of sight. Six hundred and some thousand. And, but it was such a beautiful building, and he left so discouraged. He said, man, where are we going to get 600,000? I said, you didn't believe what you preached? Read the Bible. All the cattle on a thousand hills are his. Are you worried about six hundred measly thousand dollars in change? To make a long story short, he thought he couldn't get anything for that little hovel that he was in, that little building. Brother, they gave him, he robbed them people. They gave him, I think it was 176,000. Brother, I wouldn't give you five dollars for that place. And so now he's got he's got some money and and so, so he's making this deal on this building. And just like him, he, he would do this. In the middle of the deal, he decides to get the building he's going to buy appraised. Now, they want 600 and some thousand. 
You know, if that building appraised, 900, I think it was 960,000. The people selling it didn't even get it appraised. Now, here's the best part. So they buy the building. Brother, they paid that place off in less than three years. You know why? Because every time he'd go to that office, he was fattening in the calf. Every time them poor old people would come to that cold building on a, on a snowy night for prayer meetings, they were fattening the calf. I seen a, I seen down here at the end of the street a bunch of rocks, and I seen a little dozer out there, so I got quizzing my son-in-law, and he said, y'all fixing to build next year. Brother, my heart just, <laughs> Now, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to cost you guys to build, and that's not the point. The point is, you're building by faith. Brother, I, I don't know. I don't know your financial. I don't know nothing about this place except that with God, cost doesn't mean a thing. You, you, every time you come here, every time you come here, you know what you're doing? By faith, Brother Jared, you're fattening the calf. Every time you sing, every time you jump, every time you clap your hands, you're sending unbelief and doubt a message. There's a God that loves me. There's a God that wants to do for me what I can't do for myself. Oh, you, you just got to stand back and want, watch God do what he does best. Well, there's my 20 minutes. Where's Xander? There's my 20 minutes. Let's stand. Oh, my God. You think, you think, you know, the days, they, they, they turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years and it seems like God don't hear you praying. Seems like the heavens are brass. Seems like everybody else is talking about all their prayers getting answered but yours ain't getting answered. You got to tell doubt and unbelief. Hush. Hush. Now that's how they say it down here. Hush. Where I come from, they just say, shut up! You got to stop listening to negativity. You got to speak faith. Can I tell you something about words? Can I tell you something about words? Words. Words are powerful. And, and words, it's, it's, the, it's the material that you build your reality with. You build a house with words. Do you know words? Words. You ever, you ever wonder about the word spelling? Spelling. Because words are used to cast spells. You know, you can speak enough doubt that it's like you're under a spell. But by the same token, you can speak words of faith and you can be nine feet tall and full of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in doubt. You can have God answer your prayer. 
Oh, my God, help me tonight. He's got to speak some faith. Now I'm going to turn this back to the elder before I get myself in trouble. Would you lift your hands right now all over the house and begin to pray?